Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. My name is Adrienne Delgado. I'm a registered dietitian. And today I am super excited about our episode because we're going to talk about a topic that I feel really passionate about. And so I know I do a lot of talking on this podcast. So I figured I'm going to give you guys a break and we're going to bring in a gardening and simple living expert. So I want to welcome Stephanie Lee to the show. Stephanie, Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So like I said, today we're going to talk all about gardening, right? We talk so much about nutrition and health and what it feels uh, to what it looks like to be healthy and to feel healthy. But now we're going to talk about the practical part. Um, We know we need to eat more fruits and vegetables. That is a cornerstone of our diet. But let's talk about actually growing them because I have a lot of people that are interested but not quite sure where to start. So, Stephanie, why don't we get started? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into some of the questions. Okay, sure. Well, thanks again for having me. Uh, My name is Stephanie Leaf, and I am a mother of three. um, And I have a blog titled Winging It on the Homestead, where I help um, other mothers incorporate simple living type um, techniques into their busy modern lifestyle. So some of these things are like gardening, food preservation, non-toxic, natural living, um, cooking from scratch, really um, doing those old-fashioned self-sufficiency skills, um, no matter where you are um, in your life and where you live. So you don't have to live off the grid or on a farm to do these things. And I love helping people incorporate those into their daily life. Uh, It is so necessary and so needed. Um, I will say if there's any benefit of COVID, it was it slowed us down a little bit Um, to the point where I think about how did we even do all of the things that we used to do and cram everything into weekends and run around. Like I have loved the slower life pace. Yes. Yes. I agree. I think a lot of people are finding that. And I think they're just really also yearning for a way to be more um, intentional and hands-on and involved and present in, in their life with their family. I think it's something that a lot of people have um, realized or at least have like brought themselves back to It's kind of back to the basics a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And taking ownership for their health, mm-hmm. right? They realize, wait, I can, I can do some of this on my own. I don't need to rely on the grocery store. Yeah. Yes, the farmer's yeah. market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Decreasing that reliance on the stores and the commercial products and, and increasing your own confidence and self-reliance is yeah. very exciting and important. Oh, well, I love it. So Stephanie, why don't we start with, why don't we talk about what well, we kind of just did, but what are mm-hmm. those benefits of gardening? Why would somebody want to besides the self-reliance part, what are some of the benefits of gardening? Well, gardening in of itself, I think is really important. Like for simple living as a whole, there's so many different benefits, but for gardening, if we're looking at gardening, um, first and foremost, having fresh food at your fingertips, being able to go out your backyard and um, kind of grow your own groceries. And uh, that is something that has so many benefits. It helps you yourself. And it's very cathartic and being able to like, 
get dirty and, you know, be involved with the nature. And then it's a great activity for you. If you have kids, it's a great activity for the whole family. Um, it increases food awareness for kids, being able to see how a plant grows, you know, just from a seedling to through all the process and then to be able to eat it. That whole food awareness is something that, you know, not everyone um, is able to enjoy and being able to teach those skills to your kids is, is um, a really big benefit to them. And gardening in and of itself has a lot of different duties. So it's really great opportunity to get your family involved. So even if they're really little, there's different tasks you can give a really little child versus, you know, an eight or nine year old kid and then a, a teenager. There's so many different ranges of duties and responsibilities that you can have and everyone working together as a family. It's something we have really enjoyed. Um, getting out, just getting outside and having that activity. It's also teaches them so many other benefits like patience and, um, hard work and all those things. Uh, and it's really also um, a great opportunity to join this self-sufficient movement that is coming through, like, a, like we just talked about, re reducing your reliance on stores and commercial products while also increasing your confidence. It, is, it really is a movement that is coming through and people are really getting back to doing those types of things. Yeah, I have to say, I completely agree with you. Um, we have a, a fairly large garden at our house as well. And, you know, there's a task for everybody, right? Like the older kids, sometimes they're using a rototiller. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my husband's using the the hoe and and even the the nine-year-olds can use the hoe now and they're digging up weeds. Mm -hmm. um, I have to say my favorite part is weeding. I love to weed because it's nobody else likes to do it. So they leave me alone. And it's just this quiet, peaceful time where I'm outside, um, usually in the sun, enjoying the warmth. Um, I also read somewhere, I don't know, I think it's true. I read it somewhere, but gardening can actually help with depression. Have you? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it can. Yeah. Um, I think just being that tactile, you know, um, nature of hands in the dirt and doing something. And like you said, with weeding specifically, you see your progress, you know, you see a, a bed full of weeds. And at the end, you know, it's, it's very cathartic, very, very good therapy, I think. Yeah. And I think it's a too with, um, when you catch your hands in the dirt, there's minerals in the dirt that can leach through your skin and actually mm. help counter depression. So um, I always look at it as a, a self-care investment. When I get my hands in there, um, I just like the feel of dirt too. I yep. mean, I know that sounds kind of funny, but my husband's always yelling at me to put gloves on and I'm like, no, I just, I can get <laughs> into the weeds much better when I can feel them with my fingers. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> So let's move forward with this gardening topic. So we understand there's a, a plentitude of, of um, or plenty of benefits. How would somebody even get started with gardening? Because it can feel very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yes, it can feel very overwhelming. There's so many, um, so many, I think, decisions you have to make before you can even break ground. So that's where I kind of I like to help people um, make a couple decisions first. Uh, not only does that help guide that you know where they're going to go but it's also going to help kind of create an intention on why they want and create excitement and motivation that will last them through a gardening season because like I said before it takes patience you know it's a gardening season so it's several months long before you even reap the benefits or the rewards so a couple things that I like to tell people to start with is first is determine what you're going to grow then you're going to determine when you're going to grow it and then you're going to decide how or where you're going to grow it so 
what, when, and where. So first thing, I don't know if you want me to go through all like the steps yeah, of these. Do. Okay. So uh, the first thing you want to do is you want to decide when. So there's a couple of things you need to determine. You need to decide on what growing zone you're in. And that's something super simple you can find online. Um, if you go to, I think the old farmer's almanac has it, you just put in your zip code, it'll tell you your growing zone. That is based off of your average freeze dates. So that will tell you um, if you do more research based on your growing zone, what grows best in that growing zone, what won't grow in that growing zone. Like, um, you know, if we're uh, Mideast, Mar um, Maryland, or it was where I'm located, um, I'm not gonna be able to grow oranges, right, per se, but um, there's lots of other things that I can grow in my zone, which is zone A, zone B. So that's something important to know. Then you also wanna know your first and your last freeze dates because that's gonna determine when you can actually put things in the ground. So coming into spring, you wanna know your um, last freeze date, which is the last date that you can expect there to be frost overnight. If you put plants in before them, especially if you have, um, if you have heat vegetables like tomatoes and peppers, they're going to be killed by a frost. So you don't want to put anything in before there. So for me, it's typically mid to late April. So that's why we around my area don't usually do anything till Mother's Day, right? Um, so we want to give it like an extra week. That way we know all the, the threat of freezing frost overnight is gone. Um, so finding out those dates, two important things. The first freeze is your freeze going into the winter, so in the fall. So you want to know that. So you want to make sure that all of your plants are out. You're not expecting any harvest afterwards. Uh, so that's when, when, when to plant. Then you want to know what you want to plant. So to, to really determine what your family eats. So I tell people to um, think about what is your family like? What does your family eat the most? What is the most expensive stuff at the grocery store, right? So my family really likes Believe it or not, my kids really like broccoli. So um, I, I'm not arguing with them on that, but my kids love broccoli. So I would want to plant a lot of broccoli. And it's something that freezes easily. So it's something I can do a big crop of and I can preserve it. If I do it correctly, I can preserve it for the rest of the year. Um, things like asparagus, which might be a little bit more expensive or whatever, you know, depending on where you are, that might be something you grow if you if you eat a lot of that, um, tomatoes, things that you um, you know that you're going to eat. One year when we first planted, I planted a bunch of eggplant. Not that I don't like eggplant, you know, I do like eggplant, but I wasn't prepared to cook that much eggplant. Right? I didn't have <laughs> that many recipes. Um, at that point, it was just my husband and I, and we did not need eggplants upon eggplants. So um, that's just something to think about what you want. And plus having the idea of what you're going to plant really gets you excited, you know, thinking of all the recipes you have. Um, so that's what, so I would make a list of everything that you want and then cross list that with what, um, doing some research, excuse me, research on your growing zone and see what grows the best. So that's one thing to do. And then where you're gonna grow. So there's a couple options. Uh, in your location. Now, your location is important um, as far as whether you're going to grow in a garden bed, which is directly in ground, whether you're going to do raised beds, you're going to do containers, um, or whether you're going to do something that's like called edible landscaping, where you're just planting things within your current landscaping. So if you have a flower bed or if you have some bush line, you know, that kind of thing, you can plant things in there. So those are some options. Um, you want to monitor for a for full sun or at least six to eight hours of sun for a lot of vegetables. You also, when determining a location, 
uh, make sure it's not, if, especially if it's your first time, um, I would, was what we did was we made sure it was close to the house because I had a baby. So really the only times I was going to be able to do any kind of extra gardening was at nap time or after they went to bed um, when you have that extra hour before the sun goes down. So um, I didn't want the garden really far away from the house because I wanted it, I didn't want to be away from the house uh, to garden. So just those kinds of things. Um, if this is your first time, I would recommend doing something like that's not permanent, like containers, just you know, get some containers, test some things out, some plants that you really like. Um, that way they can be moved around. It's much more flexible for you than digging up a plot of, of dirt in your yard and not knowing if that's exactly where you wanna put it. So containers can be moved from one area of the house to the other or um, inside or, or under a porch if you need to be. So, uh, and, and that is also really great for small spaces because there's a lot of things, I think that's a lot of hesitation for people as they think they don't have enough property. Um, whether they just have a balcony or they have a porch, there's tons of options as far as growing vegetables um, and herbs and lettuce and all those types of things, even if you don't have a ton of property. Yeah, one of the things you mentioned before is is proximity to your house. And that is so important because our garden is at the other side of our property. So we live on four acres. So not huge, but definitely not right next door. And I remember the one year we planted a whole bunch of herbs in the garden. Mm -hmm. And herbs are one of those things you want to use kind of last second, right yes. before you finish <laughs> a, a dish. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I used a single herb the yeah. entire summer because I was like, oh, it's all the way up there. Right. By the time I walk up there and bring, like, forget it, we just won't use it. Right. Um, so I learned very quickly, put your herbs like right around your house, like yeah. literally <laughs> in the flower beds, right outside a door, because then you're probably more likely to use them. Yeah, absolutely. It's also important for just, if, especially if this is your like first or second garden, you're going to want to do a lot of observations. So you don't want to like hike all the way down to your garden. Like you want to do it as you walk to your car or walk in the house, just take a couple seconds to check out your garden, make sure there's no pests. Um, otherwise it's, yeah, I'll get that. I'll get to that later. And you know, you don't get over there. So yeah. Yeah. And gardens have like a, a mind of their own. Some days it's a lot of patience. And then the next thing, you know, you're like, what the heck? Yeah. Sometimes it's a lot, hurry up and wait. And then it's like all at once. And yeah, it's, yeah. But you don't yeah. know that until you, you have a couple of years, you try. So I, like I said, like you, like close to the, the house as possible. Yeah. And the other thing lot. we found that can be helpful is offsetting your plantings, right? So mm -hmm. if you're going to plant a lot of tomatoes, you don't necessarily have to put them all in the ground at the same time. You can right. put some in and then, or we do that with green beans, string beans. Yep. We put some in the ground and then we wait like two or three weeks and then we put our, yeah. them in the ground again. So that way you don't yeah. have a surplus all at once. The session planting is yeah, important. Like that's like for us with the broccoli, if we planted all our broccoli at once, we would have 20 heads of broccoli. So yeah, if you, like you said, start one and then a week later, start another. And then you have, that's how you have and build harvest all year long. Yeah. All season long. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, you, you said so many great things in that, in those comments. Um, I wanted to ask you, so what do you think, do we need any special equipment to get started? Like somebody's like, okay, I'm all in. I see the benefits. I already know what I want to plant based off of what my family likes. I think I have an idea where I want to put the garden. Um, what do I need to buy 
to make this successful? So I would make sure first and foremost that you have water accessible. It sounds like common sense, right? But water accessible. So if you can get a hose there and you're not, you know, hiking um, water cans, but you can actually get your hose there. That's really important. Um, so that was water is one. <laughs> um, and then uh, you're just your typical garden gloves or um, a trowel. You know, if you just get like a simple gardening toolkit, um, don't have to be anything crazy. Um, a, a hoe and a like a rake and a, a trowel. Those are really simple things when you're um, gardening. And then it really, when you're first starting off, it's really kind of a trial and error. So um, if you realize that you're having a pest issue, it's going to be research, research, you know, you're not going to go into this knowing everything that you're going to need to know. So that's why the observation and the being on top of um, uh, what is going the current state of your garden is really important. So first things you need, and if you are doing a container garden, then you would need containers or you can make your own stuff if you're, you know, savvy in that way. You can make your own um, raised beds out of cedar wood or something like that. Um, if you have a plot in the ground, then really all you need is water and you need some um, gardening tools to be able to dig some holes. Um, the the nutrients in your garden soil will come. You may want to add some nutrients. So a next step level would be to get your soil tested. Um, but sometimes getting started, that's a little, you know, um, too much for people to like worry about getting all their soil and then worry about their pH levels and stuff. So I always like to just, just give it a try. I'm kind of someone that just jumps in and tries it. So <laughs> yeah, just, well, I just think usually what happens. You have to. And the other part is making sure you start small, right? Like, cause we have these big aspirations and then it gets completely yeah. overwhelming and then we do none of it. So absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good point. Yeah. Not going like, doing what you can handle and not going overboard with the, the amount of plants. Like I said, the first time we did it, we planted every, everything. We had eggplants, cucumbers, tomatoes, and not everything did good at all. Like we had, we were drowning in cucumbers, but I don't think we got a single tomato that year, but you know, so it is a learning process. So definitely stick with it, even if you don't have a good year. <laughs> yes. The other tip I like to give people too, is make sure you keep a journal from yes, year to year. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's one of the things that I tell people at the end of fall that before you even clean anything up is take pictures and finish your last set of journals because you think you're going to remember come spring, but you're not, <laughs> you're not even going to remember where you planted things. So yeah, you got to keep track of that kind of stuff. Yes, I can attest to that. We're like, oh yeah, we'll remember this. And we're like, yes. wait, what? What did we do? Yep. Where was that? Oh, yeah, even down to like what kind of soil you used or any kind of bugs you had issues with. Like just take take lots of notes. Um, next year, next year you'll be glad you did. Yeah. So. I have to comment one more time. Sorry, I keep interjecting yeah, here, but uh, it may sound so simple to say make sure that there's water accessible. One would think that would yeah. be common sense. However, in my house, I told you our garden is on the other side of our property. And so we literally carry up like buckets of water. Mm -hmm. Now I kind of double it as my workout for the day because 
for the most part, if I go back and forth watering the garden, it takes me about 13 trips mm-hmm. of holding two buckets in my hand. So, you know, that's a lot of walking back and forth. That's a lot of strength training, holding the buckets. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have like a little tractor with a trailer that we pull behind. And right. usually my husband's like, take the trailer. I'm like, no, 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 it's my workout <laughs> today. Right. But water is a huge thing. Like that's yes. just something that we didn't even think about when we placed our garden that we would have to drive or carry buckets of water, especially in those beginning months um, or those hot, dry months over the summer. I'm sure you were just crossing your fingers for rain that night. So you didn't have to do it. (laughs) Yes. Or we would do that too. We think, oh, it's going to rain. And then it never did. And you're like, (laughs) ah. Yeah. We did the same exact thing. We had our garden on one side and we decided to expand and put raised beds on the other side. And we just, we just never got around to putting another hose bib on the other side of the house. It's a, it's our number one thing this year, but so we were hiking, hiking stuff up there, but yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's, it's a, a hard great tip. Do. It's a great tip. And yes, again, something that sounds like, Oh yeah, of course you, you know, need to have water choose wisely because yeah. otherwise you'll get your workout in, which is not a bad thing either. Right. Yeah, that's and that's right. actually one of the benefits that we really like about gardening is it's a workout. Yes. Yeah, it right? is it really is. So yeah. Lots of benefits. Okay, so we don't need a ton of equipment to get this started. Right. We just need a little planning ahead of time, right? We don't just yep. dig holes and, no. and no. hope for planning, the best. Planning's your best uh, preparation, yeah. So yeah. a little forethought. So if you could give us, I'm going to just ask, a, I'm going to ask you for a couple like tips and tricks. I know I kind of interjected the journal. I, I, I kind of spoke too soon for and <laughs> apologize for that. Um, but if there's any tips or tricks uh, that you could share with us, And then also, like, if we can start talking about what are the best plants to to start with if we're new to gardening, which ones maybe are a little more finicky that maybe we wait until we have some experience under our belt before we start adding them. But whichever one you want to start with, I just got excited and wanted to ask all my questions at once. No, sounds good. So I guess some tips and tricks. Um, Well, we... uh, you had mentioned before succession planning, which is um, really important and it's something that can help you, like you said, harvest throughout the year. So those kinds of things would be things that um, grow like one of them. So, so carrots or where you're going to pick it, you're going to eat it and that, that plant's done. So some of those would be some lettuces. It would be some um, like carrots and it would also be like broccoli or cabbage or um Brussels sprouts, you would harvest them and then the plant's done pretty much. So those are important to just think about um, how much you're going to get out of it. I remember the first year we did it, we bought, we, we didn't seed start, but we bought radishes. <laughs> and if you buy a radish, it's one radish in there, right? And you're buying a plant. So those are very expensive radish, like $1.50 for a single radish. Um, so anyway, so you just want to kind of think about that kind of stuff. And then you also, um, one of the tip, tips that I do to help add nutrients is, this is gonna sound strange, but when you're digging, especially for tomatoes, when you're digging a hole um, to put an egg in it and to crack the egg. And then that adds calcium and other nutrients into the, um, into the ground. And that really helps get it off to a good start. Um, so this is if you're like, once you transplant either your seedling or you buy a, a plant from the store and you're actually putting it into the ground to put an egg, but don't not crack it because then it will, 
it will be a stinky egg. So make sure you crack it and that just adds some extra nutrients. So a lot of things also with pests, you want to kind of get ahead of them. So it's hard. I mean, we lose stuff all the time to pests because it's either something I haven't come across yet. And then it's before you know it, it's too late. But things like broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, um, if you have anything like pantyhose around, if you have um, netting, but not, it's got to be a certain pest netting, like it's not going to be, it can't be thick because these, these moths will lay eggs and then you'll get cabbage worms and they will completely decimate your plants. That's what happened to us a couple years ago. Um, so now we do like covering. So once you start seeing fruit, you cover them with like a netting. So those kinds of things um, are really important. So just before you even get started, take a look at possible pests of the plants you've done and see if there's any prevention methods you can take care of, take, um, just kind of be a step ahead of because once some, a lot of these things come through, they're gonna decimate your whole plant and there's really no coming back from them. So like I said, there's things you're gonna to have to learn along the ways, but just take an extra second once you've decided what you're growing to really um, find out what the most, the most uh, frequent pests from them is. Does that make sense? It does. So I actually have a question because we always crumble up eggshells mm -hmm. and put them in our tomato plants. Yes, you can but do that. Yeah. Should I use the whole egg? Instead? No, it's the egg or it's the, um, it's the shell. So yeah, we okay. do that too with the shells. Now I'm saying like, if you have chickens and you have a ton of eggs, you know, that's one way to, to use them, but yeah, no, we do the egg. So eggshell. So yeah, do the, the eggshell, just make sure that it's, it's correct if you do a whole egg, but, um, yeah, that's a good option is the eggshells for calcium. Now, do you struggle with deer? We do. Um, Any luckily, tips for that? <laughs> they don't um, hit us until the very end of season, usually like late August. So we at least get most of our harvest out. Um, I have not found a very good thing for deer, honestly. Um, yeah, I have not found a thing. Do you have any suggestions for deer? Well, we tried everything. We tried yeah. human hair. We tried marigolds. We tried all of the, mm. like the, I don't know, wives tales. They, it was really what they were because yep. we, we ended up putting up a fence around it yeah. with a six foot fence with the, the wire across because um, they can jump. So yep. can uh, you, putting a very small fence around the side isn't going to deter them. But mm -hmm. most people in this particular area that I live in, they do struggle with deer. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know if you had found any tips. I have not yet. Um, they, I always say, yeah, we're going to address that. And then they don't come until the end of August. And I'm like, at that point, it's like, okay, well, the season's almost over anyways. But yeah, but no, unfortunately not. But I, I think a fence is really at that point the only the only thing we can do. Yeah. So are there certain foods we should plant early? I mean, like I said, we're coming into Mother's Day, which is when all our plants should be in the ground. But are there certain plants that we should focus on during different times of the year? Well, there are cold, what we call cold, like cold loving vegetables versus warm loving vegetables. So cold loving vegetables would be things like your broccolis or your lettuces, your Brussels sprouts, things that don't tolerate extreme heat. So you could get them in um, to the ground a couple weeks or so before the last frost, depending on um, how solid your ground is. Uh, definitely you, these things would be listed on any seed package you have or on any kind of um, tags you get from with the the um, plants from the store. But some of those things you can start now. We started our seeds for tomatoes and peppers and all those things 
two weeks ago, but they won't go into the ground. Like tomatoes and peppers won't go into the ground till after Mother's Day or Mother's Day weekend around there. So things you can do before then are, like I said, some of the cold, cold, colder things. Um, peas don't necessarily do great in the, the heat too much. So you can start them a little bit earlier, but the brassicas, the broccoli and the cabbage and the, the lettuces or something. Spinach, spinach is really hardy. So you could start spinach now. Um, yeah, these kinds of things. Herbs, uh, I always like to do herbs and start them and then take them outside when, whenever it's ready. Um, Cause we'll, we'll start them inside. So it's important to note, uh, just real quick, we're taping this episode um, in the middle of March. Right. So if you are going to do seeds and you're going to start your seeds, your plants from seeds, you want to start thinking about doing that late February, yeah. early March. Is that about six, eight weeks before your last freeze date? So, um, okay. yeah. So if you're typically what tomatoes are and it, like I said, it says on your tags, but typically tomatoes and peppers are six, to eight weeks before so, um, yeah, that would have left us about like beginning of March ish for like a, an end of April, beginning of May last free state. Okay. What do you think are the easiest plants to grow and what are the hardest? Well, I always like to tell people to start with your herbs. So there's tons of herbs you can do. Um, mint, if you're going to do mint, mint is hardy and it's easy and it pretty much survives anything and will come back, which is why you don't want to plant it directly in the ground. Um, you want to plant it in some kind of container, even if you're going to put it in the ground to plant it, to plant a container in the ground, because mint will overtake everything, but, um, like it will just, it's, it's very, a weed. It's, it's a very, <laughs> it is a weed. Yeah. So it'll take everything and it's very hard to get out, but mint is wonderful. Uh, your other herbs, uh, your dill, your, you know, lavender, uh, oregano, basil, all those kinds of things are really easy. They're small plants too, so they don't take up a lot of room. Um, so a single plant, you know, you could still get, if you harvest it a lot, you could get a lot of use out of it in a small space. And then I would do um, a lot of lettuce if you can. So your spinach, your um, butter crunch lettuces, like you could plant um, like a whole row of a, a whole bed of different kinds of lettuce and you could have like a salad garden. Another thing that you could do is peppers are pretty easy. Some I've had trouble starting them from seed. So if you can get a plant from the store, but peppers are, are easy once they're, once they're established, they really do really well. Uh, some of the more difficult things, well, for me, actually zucchinis and squash. I mean, I'll be drowning in zucchinis and squash by the end of, you know, mid, mid July. Do you have trouble with them or? We don't have any trouble with them. We have like baseball bat size yeah. zucchinis. <laughs> And every year I tell my husband, please only plant two plants. Yeah. Right. And every year we're like seven to 10. I know. And so, there's always one where you think you harvest them all. And then you find the next day you find like that baseball bat. Uh, that's why okay. I like to try and harvest them when they're little. Cause then it's not as much like, you know, to have to use up. Um, so I try to do like baby zucchini. So I try to collect them as they're like smaller um, because yeah, they're so prolific. Um, but you know, squash, squash and zucchini don't always uh, preserve as well. So I like to, I do like to um, enjoy them when they're fresh during the summer. Uh, and cucumbers are, have always done well for us. We do, we have struggled with beans in the past and I'm not really sure why. So that's something we're really going to focus on this year. Not that it's di more difficult. I'm just saying like we've struggled with them. Um, some of the more difficult things, I don't really know. Um, we have, 
I guess it all depends on your area, really, um, like your location. We have, I'm not so sure that onions and stuff would do too well for, I don't know, I'm, I haven't, I'm trying them this year, but um, yeah. But I, would I think you're right. Yeah. I think it has to do with your growing region because those are actually plants that grow very easily for us. Right. Um, so again, check your, your area. And what does well? So you actually, I want to switch gears a little bit because you mentioned food food preservation. Mm -hmm. So that to me sometimes feels overwhelming. So we do a lot of freezing, um, but I know there's canning. So can you speak to us a little bit about what are some of those methods? What do they look like? How do we get started? So there's a couple methods that you can do. Some more more difficult than others. Um, I always like to tell people when they're just starting off to freeze or to dry. So um, drying is really easy. It's something you can do with your herbs, um, and you can do it with or without a dehydrator. Um, if you have a dehydrator, it takes up much less time, um, which is you know a, a machine, and they're not that expensive. You could, I think you can find them at store for like fifty bucks maybe. But um, if you do a lot of it, it might be worth it because then you're not using um, your space, like to hang herbs and things. So drying, you could do that a lot with, um, herbs where, so if you harvest the herbs and then you hang them to dry and once they're all the moisture, you know, is removed, then you crumble them up just like you would normal herbs, um, or normal, you know, packaged spices and things like that. You can also, uh, dry a lot of things like, fruits where that's where you're getting your dried, you know, your dried fruits, like your apricots and your pineapples and all those kinds of things, which is much better done with a, a dehydrator, but you can also do it with your oven. Um, so that's an option is, uh, sorry, is dehydrating. And then you could also do things like fermenting, which is where you're, and there's a couple of different things. It's basically pickling, but your, it's like a vinegar and water-based solution that you're um, preserving your fruit in. And if you can it, and then that's where canning comes in, you can either not can it and just have it in your fridge for a couple months, or you can do it, you can can it, which then makes it self-stable, self right? So like, then you can put it on this, the shelf and you don't have to worry about refrigerating it. So there's a couple different options on your space and, and what you have available, how long you, you go through it. Uh, so then you have different kinds of cannings. You have water bath canning, which is good for your tomato sauces and your jams and your jellies and things that are high acidic, um, where there, the bacteria is actually killed in the canning process. And then you might need something called a pressure canning, which is a little bit higher grade um, to get the bacteria out when you're, or not to get it out, but to ensure that it's, you know, sealed safe um, for things that are less acidic, like um, your broths, your, if you're canning any kind of meat, you want to do it in a pressure canner, um, your potatoes, those kinds of things, uh, pumpkin, you want to use a pressure canner for those kinds of things. So there's a different things like that. There's a couple different, um, depending on how in, into it, I guess you're, you're going to be, but simple freezing, drying and fermenting are, are some really easy ways to get started into food preservation. And you can pickle or ferment anything. I mean, I do, I do carrots. I do, you know, your, your typical cucumbers, but carrots and um, green beans and asparagus, you can do all those kinds of things. So yeah, it's just get creative and have fun with it. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Like, mm -hmm. 
and try new things because really that's how you learn what you like and what you don't like. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Do you have any resources that you can share with us? Like maybe some of your favorite resources on how to get started. I mean, obviously this podcast is a great introduction, but for a person that's ready to take the next steps. Right. Well, I did put together a, um, a gardening guide. It's completely free. It's called the Your Dream Vegetable Garden Guide. And um, you can get that. It's at www.yourdreamgardenguide.com. And um, that gets, it basically goes through everything um, that we've talked about today. And also uh, just gets you started, kind of gives you prompts. You can answer the questions and it gets you all started. It also has areas for plotting your own garden out. It's completely free. And I love, uh, I think that's a really great place to help people kind of get this excitement out on paper, you know, their excitement and motivation onto paper and really develop a plan that will make them successful and have a beautiful, bountiful garden. Yeah, that's great. Um, I love that. And we'll put the information available so people can click that free guide and learn more. Um, something else, a resource that I like to use, um, if you've ever heard of the cookbook, Simply in Season, Mm -hmm. I don't know if okay. you've ever, uh, that's a cookbook we like to use and it's geared towards a bounty of vegetables. Wow. So it takes that's you through each season. So if you have a surplus of zucchini, here mm -hmm. are a whole bunch of zucchini recipes that use a lot of zucchini yeah. to use up some of the, that surplus if you're not going to preserve. So right. that's also, that's really great though. Yeah. Cause even though you have, if you have a good harvest, then you'll want to eat it. And then you'll also want to preserve it if you can. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. I think too, for us, it's um, a lot of times with our garden, everything comes in. Sometimes things come in slowly, almost like a dripped, you know, and then other times it comes all at you like a fire hose. And mm -hmm. so you're like, what am I going to do? And I want to eat all of it, but you know, it's too much volume to eat at once. So right. really food preservation is such an important part. So you're not being wasteful. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you enjoy it all year long. You know, that's how in the, you know, how they do it in old times in the winter, that's when you would be eating your fruits in the form of jams and jellies and, or frozen fruits. And yeah, so it's all like the whole cycle of the year and the seasons. So. Yeah, I love it. Well, this has given us some really great tips and great places to get started. So we can, you know, if we're thinking about growing a garden, if you've been thinking about it for a while and are ready to take those next steps, um, this is an exciting place to start. So I think we've given our listeners um, some really good resources and some hopefully motivation and um, just even hope that this is <laughs> right, definitely, it's definitely achievable and you can do it no matter where you, it really you don't even need that much time to just get started and to try some things out and you know, don't need a lot of property it's a lot of yeah things that I think hold people back that they don't realize that you just jump in and get started and start growing growing your groceries yeah yeah I love it um so Stephanie at the end of every episode I do always ask my um, guests to share one of their favorite um recipes. So I was hoping that you would do us the honors and share a recipe with all of us now. Sure. So this is one of my favorite um, recipes when I am taking something to a cookout or some kind of get together because it really is um, super easy to make. Um, you can use your, your own garden vegetables in it. 
Um, and it requires like very little cooking and it doesn't require like temperature, you know, so all those things that when you're taking a dish in it. So this is my go-to. Um, it's called a corn, avocado, and tomato salad. It sounds really um, simple and it is, but it's, it's always a hit. So it's, um, so if you want exact measurements, I mean, really, I just kind of throw things together, but it's um, like two cups of corn and you can either use Obviously, if we're doing it in the summer, you want to use fresh corn, but you can use frozen. But I prefer to like lightly boil it. So just enough so it's not raw, but um, not like cooked and mushy. You want it to be nice and, um, and firm. And then you, so you cut it off the cob and you boil it just slightly. And then about one to two avocados, depending on what you have, just cut into like half inch cubes. Uh, and then a pint of tomato, of cherry tomatoes or grape tomatoes. So whatever you're growing or you can find in the store and just have them. And then I like to do about half cup of red diced onion. And then I like to throw in whatever bell pepper I have, whether that's green or red or whatever I have on hand at the time, about half cup of that. And then you wanna do a dressing, which is two tablespoons of olive oil, two, like one tablespoon of lime juice, a uh, fourth cup of cilantro, and then just a little bit of salt, pepper, like a fourth teaspoon of each, and then just mix it all together and, and chill it. And it sounds super easy and it is, which is why I love it. And people, you know, people eat it up and they, they can eat it with their chips or whatever. It's just a really big hit and it's super easy and it doesn't, it's a great thing to take with you for a cookout or. Yeah. Cause you don't have to worry about mayonnaise or you yeah, don't have to worry about, don't have to worry about anything, anything that like spoil. Yeah. This is making me so super excited for summer because these <laughs> yeah. are like all my favorite flavors. So you yeah. are speaking my love language. When you said cilantro, I said, done. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. So awesome. Well, Stephanie, we are so thankful that you could join us today. So, um, we appreciate all of your knowledge and all of your input and, um, yeah, we're just super excited to get our own garden started. So, yeah. um, so yes, thank you for that guys. Uh, that's all we have for today. So I hope this inspires you to take action and to grow your own produce. So thank you so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.